the spirit of Christ uh, mission kids uh, dismissed? Are they being dismissed? They are? Okay. Amen. We thank God for the presence of the risen Christ uh, this morning. Uh, thank you, all of you, for coming to worship with us uh, today. And uh, just grateful to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Praise God. Seems like one of those kind of low-key kind of mornings, so we'll see uh, what happens this morning. Uh, welcome to our guests. Welcome to uh, our Mission House this morning. Good to see uh, family. Good to see friends in the house. Uh, good to see our good friend uh, Beth Dusner, uh, Executive Director for Inside Out Global. She hang out, hung out with us yesterday uh, when we did our session yesterday with the youth. Uh, some exciting things uh, coming down the pike. Also, community, I want to welcome y'all. I want to welcome uh, Tim uh, Bishop. Tim, stand up real quick. Wave to community. Amen. Tim joined our team yes, uh, actually this past week. He's been uh, he's going to be on site here to help us do the work with Next Generation Productions. So we'll have a person that's been hired out by Inside Out Global here, stationed here, based here. So we'll be doing more programming throughout the week and throughout the month. So we'll be able to build that up and make a really powerful impact in our surrounding community. So I'm pretty excited about the days ahead. Amen. Y'all doing all right this morning? Some reason I'm like, I don't know, I'm weirdly nervous. I don't know why, but I don't know. Usually, I'm always nervous when I speak, but uh, for some reason I don't know what it is. Maybe it's the word. We'll see. So, um, God, we just thank you for uh, the word today. God, we thank you for uh, our time with you. God, speak to your people, God. May your word be a blessing uh, to them. May it bring forth a harvest in their lives. Holy Spirit, be with us today. Teach us, Spirit of God, what you want us to know and what direction our lives should be taking. We thank God for you. Turn with me to Jeremiah chapter 1. Jeremiah chapter 1, um, I've always had an affinity for a likeness, uh, for a liking rather for Jeremiah. For some reason, I don't know why, um, when I was a younger, younger minister in the gospel, um, I remember just uh, having taken a liking to Jeremiah, I think largely because he was young, and I started out ministry really young. I was 20 years old when I began to be a minister of the gospel. And uh, and the words of encouragement that God gives Jeremiah uh, really encouraged me as a young man. But I just want to read Jeremiah chapter 1. I'll be reading verses 1 uh, through 10. Uh, many of you will find, I hope today, many different points of entry and, and resonance and connection with Jeremiah's story today. Let us begin. The words of Jeremiah, son of Hilkiah, one of the priests of Anathoth in the territory of Benjamin. The word of the Lord came to him in the 13th year of the reign of Josiah, son of Ammon, king of Judah. 
And through the reign of Jehoiakim, son of Josiah, king of Judah, down to the fifth month of the eleventh year of Zedekiah, son of Josiah, king of Judah, when the people of Jerusalem went into exile. Amen. I mean, before I read the rest of this verse, I think it's important to recognize, this is quickened to me, it's important to recognize that oftentimes in church, we separate what we call spiritual and worldly. Amen. We separate what happens to us personally with God, also with what God is doing socially in the world around us. One of the things I love about the Bible, the Bible don't make those kinds of distinctions. The Bible doesn't make those kinds of things mutually exclusive from each other, right? The personal and the social, right? So the Bible is not concerned, right? You can become too political, right? And that's, that's, there's, a, there's a place for that. Sometimes people become too political. But then there's a place where we become too personal, where our Christianity becomes private, where our Christianity simply becomes about me and Jesus. But one of the things that you learn when you're reading the Bible, and specifically the Old and New Testament, uh, you will find situations like this. <coughs> Before we even get into the story of Jeremiah, God begins to set the context. Notice. Notice, he gives you what's happening politically. Who's running the kingdom? Right? It's like, you know, Star Wars. You know, y'all seen, all y'all seen Star Wars at this point, I think. We three years into this now. Y'all should know this by now. Right? So every Star Wars film, it opens up with this crawl in the beginning. What does it say? A long time ago. And a galaxy far, far away. And then it begins to talk about what's happening with the empire and the rebel forces and all this. It gives you this bigger thing that's happening. And then it zeroes in onto this personal scene. This is what's kind of happening here. Right? He's talking about Jeremiah starts off with this big thing around kingdoms and, 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 uh, and, and empires and what's happening with their reigns. And then he says they are in exile. Exile is a big word. Exile means that you are removed from home, right? You are removed from that which is familiar to you. You are removed from your source and put into an alien place where you got to learn something new. You got to learn how to survive in a different way. And so the children of Israel are into exile. God has allowed a foreign power because Israel forgot what their first call was, which is to do justice amongst their neighbors, amongst the poor, the orphan, the stranger. They forgot who they were. They were supposed to be a people that practiced Torah or, 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 or righteousness with each other. And so they began to act like the other nations, and God wasn't too pleased. Like So God was like, so if you want to be like other unjust empires, let, let me let you be ruled by one of them. Hmm, sound familiar. So they're in exile. They didn't forgot who they were. They didn't forgot their identity. And so then what God does in crisis, oftentimes in Scripture, he raises up prophetic voices to call the people back to their first love, to their first calling, to their position. The word, one of the words is interesting, a, a word is the word apathy. Which means to get out of, to be slow, to be out of position, to, be, uh, to not be where you're supposed to be. Israel's in exile. 
And so in the midst of all what's going on around the world of Jeremiah, let me keep reading. The word of the Lord came to me saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Alas, sovereign Lord, I said, I do not know how to speak. I am young. But the Lord said to me, do not say I am young. You must go to everyone I send you and say whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord reached out his hand and touched my mouth and said to me, I have put my words in your mouth. See, today I appoint you over nations and kingdoms to uproot and tear down, to destroy and overthrow, to build and to plant. The other thing about Jeremiah is, so Jeremiah is young. Not only is Jeremiah young, Jeremiah is a part of a, like I said earlier, he's a part of a group of people. He's a part of a nation of people that are in exile. So they are anticipating things crumbling. So not only is there a, 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 a certain uncertainty in himself because he's young and inexperienced. He doesn't know a whole lot. Um, he doesn't think of himself uh, as somebody that's important. Uh, but also he's from a family of priests that are from the countryside. Amen. And so and let me put it this way. So in today's church economy, his, his daddy was a priest, but his daddy was a country preacher. He wasn't no mega church pastor. He wasn't no pastor with some large ministry somewhere there. Because in, in the church world, those churches tend to get more respect than smaller churches. And so here's Jeremiah, young and inexperienced. He don't know a whole lot. He's from a family of preachers that nobody fully respects. He's on the low end of the totem pole. He's also a citizen of a nation that, is lo- that has lost its identity and is crumbling. It's failing to do righteousness, and so God is allowing a foreign power to take it over. So there's a lot of uncertainty going on around Jeremiah. There's also a lot of uncertainty and issues going on inside of Jeremiah. And so here we are. This is when God shows up in the midst of this this young and inexperienced young prophet in a world that's crumbling around him. How many of y'all watch the news lately and you're thinking, you feel overwhelmed? It's like, man, where's our democracy going? We tend to be turning into a fascist society. Or you look about, you think about yourself, right? You think about the things, the challenges that you face in your own life. Sometimes we don't feel equipped for the cause. Sometimes as a parent, I feel like, man, I'm failing. I don't feel equipped, you know? I feel like, you know, man, was there a class for this at some point that I missed? Right, you know, I tell y'all my own struggle as a as a younger man, as a man, young man. I was like, when is the point that you 
begin to realize, okay, I've made it to manhood. Because, you know, as brothers, you know, we look at some of the older, the old heads in our lives. We're like, man, they, see that? They're men, you know. When do we become men? When can we say we're men? Okay, maybe I'm the only one that says that, but any brothers with me? Oh, y'all know y'all men. Okay, all right. <laughs> but, like, for those of us who suffered, who, who never received affirmation, it's not just men, but women as well, right? And this grown-ups, period. Like, when do I become grown, right? There's this thing, like, you, you get to the place, like, am I grown yet? And so sometimes we struggle with that, our own sense of identity, where all everything else is going around in the world, uh, in, in, in the world around us. But here's Jay. I call him Jay, y'all. Me and Jay got to know each other uh, during my sermon development. Jeremiah, that is. I call him Jay for short. So here's Jeremiah come from low family status in a world that's crumbling around him. And he's a young lad. He's probably a teenager. In the midst of all that, God speaks to him. And so we've been talking about meet me at God. We've been talking about all these biblical characters from, from Abraham to, to Moses uh, to Esther. And now we're finishing up the day with Jeremiah. There's something that happens in the life of people when God meets them. Something happens in the biblical story when God interrupts their lives, when God disrupts their lives. Some of y'all sitting here today, God has interrupted and disrupted your life probably several times at this point. If you got one interruption, you're doing good. Because sometimes it's all it takes is one interruption to send your life in a different direction. So today we're talking about Jeremiah. We're talking about Jay. The word of the Lord comes to him about the world around him. See, first God got to tell him. He's dealing with him, right? That's what I love about God, right? God, so God knows he's, he's raised him up to be a prophet to the nations, to speak the word of the Lord to Israel and to the nations. But then God's got to deal with him first. Because the first thing Jeremiah says, uh, I'm too young for this. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm inexperienced. And I love the way God says it. So God, the first thing that God says is, he tells him what? Don't what? Say to yourself that I'm too young. So the first thing that God does to Jeremiah is change his language and how he addresses himself. How do you speak to yourself? One of the things that we've been doing, Ash Dash started this out when we with Next Generation Productions, uh, we've been doing these affirmations. Right, we get our young people to stand up, and even the, the adult mentors and other adults in the room, we get them to stand up and affirm something that they love about themselves. Because one of the most powerful things you can do, you can talk about, you can look at the world and say, man, the world needs to change. But if you want to become a change agent, you got to change how you talk about yourself. Say, so what do you love about yourself? So, so God tells Jeremiah, <clears throat> do not say I'm too young because you got to go some places. i got to send you somewhere, and you got to do what I command you to do. And so God sends, or not sends, God continues to speak to him. And so here's Jeremiah dealing with his own history, his own family, his own pedigree, as you say, and the world around him. 
but there's a process here. There's something, there's some deep spiritual treasure here in Jeremiah that we're going to get into this morning briefly. And I want to start off with this statement. Availability to God leads to intimacy with God that sparks holy momentum in our lives. Let me read that again. Availability to God leads to intimacy with God that sparks holy momentum in our lives. Availability leads to intimacy that sparks momentum. Hmm. Yesterday I had the blessing of being in the wedding party of my dear friend, Pastor uh, Reverend, Reverend Pat Johnson, Pastor Reverend, he's Baptist, y'all, I'm sorry, Reverend Vincent Patrick Jones, I was in his wedding yesterday, I was one of his groomsmen, and so, uh, so I could talk amongst me, I love Mission House, man, we said, we can, we can just be real, you know, and so, you know, I had all the pastors down there, uh, I, I corrupted them, y'all, I had them all playing spades, <laughs> someone was like, Spades pastor? Like, hey, we're not. So sit on the boat now. Got some cards. So we're playing spades. Whole bunch, y'all imagine pa- pastors playing spades around the table, talking junk to each other. Hey man, so you know, like certain Socrates, I'm trying to woo them in, right, to the kingdom. And so, uh us <clears throat> playing. But we had a blast though. And so I had a good conversation with uh the pastor of Outreach Christian Ministries, uh uh Bradley Taylor, Pastor Bradley Taylor. Some of y'all may know Pastor Taylor, good brother, man. You know, you gotta get to know people. Amen. This community is a trip, man. You listen to what other people say, you got to get to know folk. You can't listen to what other people say about folk, man. You know what I'm saying? You really got to literally talk to people. I tell people all the time, talk to me. I know I'm strange, but talk to me first. I'm actually a decent person. Like, <laughs> I'm not trying to send people to hell and all this kind of stuff, you know. Uh, but anyway, we had a good conversation, and we were talking about and you know, one of the things that preachers do when they get together, they talk about what they're going to preach the Sunday, right? You know, trying to show off their exegetical skills and, you know, who, you know, all that. And, and so I'm like, so Ben Smith, what you talking about? I said, I'm talking about Jeremiah, man. I'm talking about availability. And Taylor's, Pastor Taylor said something profound. He said this to me. He said, man, you know, Pastor, he said, the best ability in the world is availability. Hmm. The best ability in the world is availability. Jeremiah is available. But here's the thing. See, the thing about availability is this. This is why I love, this is why I love what he said because my mind began to riff uh, what he was saying. And it's, you don't have to be on top of your game to be available. You don't have to be wisest and the most knowledgeable to be available. Your circumstances don't have to be the best to be available. When it comes to God, all you need to be is available. Oftentimes in Scripture, God calls on the available to do impossible things. The main ingredient to do the impossible with God is availability. Because we think... You know, we got to have the credentials. We got to have the spiritual gifts. We got we to know the know-how. But with God, time and time in Scripture, as evidence here with Jeremiah, 
All you need is an individual or a person or a group of people to say, we are available, Lord. We have no idea how you're going to do this. We have no idea of the possibility how this is going to pan out. But, God, you called us. You are speaking to us. And so we are making ourselves available. And so availability is a key ingredient in doing the impossible with God. Turn to your neighbor and ask him, are you available? <laughs> so we're like, oh, no. The best, the best ability in the world is availability. You don't need a resume to do the impossible with God. All you need is to be available. There's power in availability. When a person decides to make themselves available, they become open. Available means to be capable of producing the desired effect. Author Mike Batterson says, in God's kingdom, calling trumps credentials every time. Mm. You catch that? Calling trumps credentials every time. Why is that? It's because of who is calling you. If the creator, if the Holy Spirit, if God is calling you, the, the one who made the cosmos, the universe, amen, if God is calling you, who are we to say, God, you ain't qualified to call me? We challenge your judgment, God. God, did you read my resume? Of course, God is like, uh, well, I, I made you. Like Jeremiah, you know, I knew you when you was in the womb before you even knew yourself, before your mama knew you, before your daddy knew you. I knew you before while you was in conception, while you were in utero. I knew you. Batterson continues, he says, God does not call the qualified. He qualifies the called. Mm. See, we are obsessed with qualification. The question is, are you called? And once you are called, you have a sense of calling, then God begins the process of qualifying you. <laughs> and the, the litmus test isn't experience or expertise. It's availability and teachability. If you are willing to go when God gives you a green light, God will take you to inaccessible places to do impossible things. I was on a date with Tony this week. We try to do date nights once a week as a couple. And so we went to, oh, it's a good name, Romano's. Yeah, yeah, so. And so some of y'all probably saw the Facebook status. And uh, I said, man, I said, you don't want to talk, talk, right? And so she was like, all right, what do you want to talk about? I said, well, I want to talk about the Copernican Revolution. She was like, check, please. One of the things I've learned as a pastor, you know, um, even before I was a pastor, I was always somebody that you can teach. Amen. See, available people are teachable people. 
Amen. One of the things I learned, people, you know, people know me. They look, they know uh, we was in Next Gen yesterday, and we did the affirmation exercise. And so I stood up and said, well, you know, one of the things I love about myself is that I'm a bibliophiliac, a bibliophile, a lover of books, right? Of course, you know, because of that, I can say the word bibliophile, right? I read it in some book somewhere at some point, I'm sure. But the thing is, like people, sometimes they, mis- they misinterpret that. They think, oh, he think he know it all. No. The I, I, reason why I read is I, I, I know I don't know enough, actually. I don't, that's the thing. When you, there are people who do read and try to understand the world. They, they can become puffed up and arrogant. But mine's, my, my, my position is God's world is beautiful. There's so much in the world that we don't even know. And so sometimes God, some of us, God put this, this is this terminable uh, 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 curiosity in us, this insatiable curiosity in our souls, and we can't be satiated with just what other people tell us. Some one of them people, like people say, I was one of them kids. My mama tell me all the time, like, I was one of them kids. Well, we're we gonna do this, and I'd be like, why? And then she'll say, well, because of this, and I'd be like, why? And because this, 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 I'd be like, why, why, why? So I'm still like that. I'm still like a kid, right? One of the things I always tell people, a part of spiritual growth is, is keeping that kid-like curiosity. You can't lose that as an adult. You got to stay curious. You know, you're, you're the, uh, the, the shirt, stay thirsty, my friend, or stay thirsty. I say stay curious. So that's why I learn. That's why I read. And so available people are people that are teachable. You can't, you, you can't, you can't stop their curiosity. They're always intrigued about what's next and what's more to learn in the world around us because God's world is so big and beautiful and bold. <clears throat> and so I'm studying Copernicus because uh, we'll talk about it some other time, but, you know, he intrigues me. When everybody said that the earth, the whole universe went around the earth, he was the only dude that at that point was saying, no, actually the earth go around the sun. And everybody was like, you crazy. <laughs> Teachable. How many of y'all believe the universe goes around the earth? Nobody? How many of y'all believe our universe, our solar system goes around our sun? How many of y'all believe that? Right? The, the Milky Way goes around the sun? Y'all believe that, right? I mean, unless y'all got some new theories or something, you know. You know, you never know. (coughs) But Copernicus is just an example of that, right? I didn't mean to get into Copernicus. He's heavy on my brain right now. But availability and teachability, are you available? Availability means being present. See, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah in a space and place of availability. Jay, as I'm calling him, Jeremiah makes himself available. What does being available to God look like in this fragmented world in a hurry? How does this look for you? How does availability look for you? Being available is about being in a place of reception, expectation, and willingness. 
uh, to become available is to be intentional in your expectation that God is going to speak or show or give you some words or, or some insight. Being available is the first part of the setup. See, Jeremiah is being set up. See, being available is part of the setup. People want mission. They want uh, intimacy with God without being available. Like it's instant like that. And like we said before, God is sovereign. We can't make God do anything. God, like y'all, had to choose to do something. And I don't even know what I just said right there, but we see it in Scripture. I don't even know what it means to say that God chooses something. I don't even know what that means. Just being honest with you because God is bigger than our words. You must have an expectant heart for the word of the Lord. Availability gets you there. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. See, we're all available. (laughs) The question is, what do we avail ourselves to? What What is that priority thing that we are constantly available to? Who or what are we most available to in our everyday lives? Becoming available to the word of the Lord is like nothing else we can make ourselves available to. Making ourselves available to the word of the Lord is making ourselves available to the very source of our existence. It makes good sense, doesn't it, to make ourselves available to the one who gives us life and strength in existence. Here's Jeremiah confronted with the very source of life, God. Just like Jeremiah, we must become available to the word of the Lord. Now, once Jeremiah becomes available, once Jay Jay becomes available, something happens. The word of the Lord comes to him. God speaks to him. They begin a conversation. Availability becomes intimacy. In intimacy, we are seen. Intimacy becomes even more powerful when we know that we are seen. How many know you be in a relationship and you're with someone and you're not seen by them? You know that they're not present with you. Although they're physically with you, they really can't see you. And you know the joy and power of being with someone in a relationship, a friendship, relationship, and they know you. They get you. They see you. Something happens. Intimacy with God gives us sight and words. God gives Jeremiah sight and words. Some of us need some new sight, some new words. Notice how God asked Jeremiah, let's continue on back to the passage. We're going to continue on from 11 all the way down uh, to 16. Verse 11, after God says to him, um, in verse 9, when God reached out his hand and touched his mouth, so intimacy, right? So God is touching Abraham. Not, no longer is God just, God is just ain't uh, speaking to Abraham, um, Abraham. God just ain't speaking to Jeremiah. God actually touches his lips. He touches him out of intimacy. 
because Jeremiah is available. Notice what God asked him after he speaks to him, after he touches him, after he speaks words of affirmation to him. The next thing that God tells Jeremiah, he asks him a question, verse 11. The word of the Lord came to me. What do you see, Jeremiah? (laughs) Availability leads to intimacy. Within intimacy, we begin to see. When God, when we have intimacy with God, when God can touch us in places that no other human being can, things begin to open up. We begin to gain, gain new sight. And so God began to, you know, let him test it out a little bit, test out this intimacy. Uh, Jeremiah, what do you see? I see the branch of an almond tree, I replied. The Lord said to me, you have seen correctly. Mm. You see that? See, here's the thing. All of us see something. The question is, can you see correctly? Hmm. See, intimacy with God adjusts your spiritual sight. When God is able to touch your lips, touch your heart, touch your heart, touch your mind, your innermost being, we begin to see as God wants us to see. You have seen correctly, for I am watching to see that my word is fulfilled. Mm. That's deep, y'all. I ain't got time to get deep like that, but I'm trying this morning. God is saying, because he spoke to Jeremiah into his heart, and his heart began to be open. In, in the ancient world, the, the, the sight was not actually, in the ancient world, y'all, just a little bit of a little anecdotal information here. In the ancient world, the primary faculty of sight in the ancient world was not your eyes. It was your heart. For my woke folk, your third eye. Okay, Pastor. All right. Never mind. We got no Kemet folk up in here. We got no woke folk up in here. Your third eye, right? It's, so in the ancient world, in, in, in the Bible and other uh, uh, spiritual traditions, uh, the, the main sight for the human heart is not your actual, actual physical eye. It is your heart. Paul even prayed this in Ephesians. I prayed that the heart, he said, that, I prayed that, 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 that your heart would be enlightened, that you may be able to see. And so God tells Jeremiah, he says, I done spoke to you, I done Uh, spoke words into you, so I'm asking, can you see, because I want to make sure that my word is operating in your heart so that you can see correctly. This is why you got to get the word in you. No word, no sight. Mm. That's why sometimes people come to me sometimes like, Pastor, what do I do? I can't see my way forward. I'm like, what? Is the word getting into you? Because if the word ain't getting into you, that means you ain't seeing. The psalmist said, "Hmm. let that word be a light into my path. Hmm. You got to avail yourself to the word. 
And by word there, I mean, just to go a little deeper there, I don't mean just just reading the Bible just as rote. Like, I'm just reading the Bible. I'm just reading the word. See, the Bible becomes the word. Because mm. I'm telling you right now, there's some folk reading the Bible right now in our culture. They obviously ain't getting the word. Because how can you read the Bible and you, and you punish and oppress poor people? You ain't got the word yet. At least of them red words. Amen. You can read the Bible as Christians, as church folk. We can read the Bible all day long and not get the word. The Bible says this. I'm, I'm going to trip y'all out a little bit here. Paul does say in, in Timothy, he says, the Bible or the scriptures are inspired by God, right? Profitable for teaching, for doctrine, for correction, for training in righteousness, right? But the Bible calls Jesus the word of God. This is the Christian scriptures, but Jesus is the word. Isn't that scriptural? See, the Bible can be still dead letters written by dead men. The question is, has the Bible become the word to you? I'm always suspicious. When, well, Pastor, you know the Bible say? I say, well, what, well, what's the word saying? But Pastor, the Bible says in Leviticus chapter 13, verse 32, it says, no man should have tattoos on their bodies. Leviticus doesn't say that right there, but I'm just giving y'all something. You know, people come at you with the Bible, right? It says, clearly the word hasn't spoken to you. You can have Bible and have no word. Isn't that something? Folk come here, man, I read the Bible 20 times, front and back. But do you got the word? You got to avail yourself to the word. And so God tells Jeremiah, you know, I just want to see that my, I didn't spoke it to you, but I want to make sure that my word is fulfilled in you. Amen. You can know the Bible, you can know the scriptures and all that, but is the word being fulfilled in your life and is the word being fulfilled through you? Then the word of the Lord came to me again. What do you see? God is trying to train him. Right? He called him. Now he's training him. Because mm. he's a prophet. He got to speak the word of the Lord. And so he's, notice how he's being trained in being able to see uh, or to, to be a prophet. So God is asking him, what do you see? This is the second time. He says, what? And he says, what do you see? I see a pot that is boiling. I answered. It is tilting toward us from the north. The Lord said to me, from the north, disaster will be poured out on all who live in the land. I'm about to summon all the peoples of the northern kingdoms, declares the Lord. Their kings will come and set up their thrones in the entrance of the gates of Jerusalem. They will come against all her surrounding walls and against all the towns of Judah. I will pronounce my judgments on my people because of their wickedness in forsaking me, in burning incense to other gods, and in worshiping what their hands have made. Get yourself ready, Jeremiah. So he wants him to see. So intimacy gives us sight. There's a saying. Language makes worlds. Old language 
traps you in old worlds. New language releases you into new worlds. How's your language? How's your self-talk? How do you speak about yourself? How do you speak about your cheerings? How do you speak about those in your circle of influence? How do you speak words of affirmation over their lives? How do you engage yourself with other people around you? How do you speak to them? More importantly, how do you speak of yourself? Do you affirm yourself or do you deny yourself? My, my wife would tell you, I, I picture fit when I'm around parents. And I totally got like, shut up, Anthony. I mean, we'd be somewhere publicly, and somebody say that they, they, like, they just bad. They just terrible. They some demons. I'd be like, oh, <laughs> hold up. Especially I folk. You know what I'm talking about. I'm like, the world already thinks that about them. How you going to join in that choir? Sing that song. Yeah, your kid might be a little challenging. We get that, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> he might have some challenges with the little, you know, little guy or girl, you know. But begin to speak blessing over them. I remember, and I, I remember I was fortunate as a young father to catch this early on, the power of affirmation and words. I remember when all my children were in utero, even when they were utero, I would play, you know, I would play some, you know, public enemy, put the little headphones on them, and I would play some Bach and some Beethoven and, uh, some jazz and put the headphones on their mama's belly and and I sit there and read, you know, uh, read Richard Wright, read uh, some poetry, read the scriptures and just speak blessing over them. Even when he was in utero, I was crazy with it. I went all way over there. I, right? They say that some of that stuff worked, right? I look at some I look at some of my kids. I'm like, oh, okay, all right. I'm going to set the volume up a little extra. The other ones I probably had it on mute, forgot to turn it on. <laughs> Sorry, Isaiah, Israel, Abraham. You know. So, but how we talk to each other, how we talk to those closest to us is so powerful. Some of y'all who are parents, you know the power of this. Some of you who are mentors and people who impact other people's lives, those of you who are leaders in the community, your words have power. Notice what God is doing. God is sharing words with a boy. That's going to direct the destiny of a nation. When you sit with the powerful, make sure you give them the word of the Lord. <laughs> when you sit with those who are forgotten, who are in the forgotten places of our community, make sure you share the word of the Lord. And sometimes the word of the Lord ain't hard. Sometimes it's love. Sometimes it's wisdom. Sometimes it's, it's caution. And this right here is a word of caution. God is telling, telling Jeremiah to speak to Israel, say, hey, tell them, because of the way they've treated those in the community, those they treated those within their boundaries, those the way they treated the stranger, the orphan, the widow, the poor, the way they treated them is going to bring disaster. God is talking to a boy. Turn to your neighbor and say, what do you see?
God can be with us in ways deeper than our uh, the other humans can. God's presence and speaking to us inspires us to respond and speak back. Oh, some of y'all got little ones, right? Y'all, some of y'all remember if you have babies, if you've known babies and families and uh, or you have any kind of proximity with little ones. You know, one of the things uh, uh, early on, you know, and so when, when Jelena and Julia and, and Genova, our granddaughters, when they came around, uh, especially, uh, or all of them, really. Uh, I, I was able to spend more time with Jelena when she first came around because she lived with us for, for a minute. And that's my, uh, that's Tony's son, Joshua's baby girl. And so I was freaking some of them out. Jazz, Jazz probably remember this. I'd be in the bed with Jelena reading books to her, you know, reading philosophy. It's, you, know, you know, Wittgenstein said this. <laughs> Francois Leotard said that. Simplifying to the extreme, meta narratives are. And she like, oh, I got it, I got it. And so I remember when I was teaching her, what I wanted her to refer to me as, right? Oh yeah, man. Somebody's looking it up. <laughs> That's what's up. That's Siri. <laughs> Amen. What was that? Who was that? Was that? Oh. <laughs> Maybe God's speaking to us through Siri. Sometimes God will do that, right? God will speak to us through Siri. Has that ever happened to you? Like some weird Siri thing will come up. You're like, hmm, maybe God's trying to tell me something. But I remember sitting there with, uh, with Jelena. And one of the first words I was teaching was grappy, which is my own little thing. Because, you know, in Salisbury, y'all got your own language for grandparents, right? Pat Paul, Paul Paul. Right? I never heard that until I came here, right? Um, so I came from some highfalutin people, you know. Call me Mimi, you know. Because, you know, I want to be called grandma. And, and so I remember saying to her, grappy, grappy. And I remember her back eventually grappy right so now you see them all of them now not Genova yet but Julia and Julia and they see me the first thing they see is grappy right because the first thing they identify with right there's something within the brain I don't want to get too deep with y'all for those of you who are uh, in the world of social work or neuroscience or you deal with any kind of youth development adolescent development child development there are reflectors in the brain, for another word, lack of, a, lack of a whole bunch of sophisticated words. We have reflectors in the brain. And children will reflect what you say to them verbatim, right? That's why sometimes, you know, it's funny. Oh, I'm going to put some folk on black. I ain't going to say no names. But, you know, Tony runs a summer camp, right? She runs Bright Minds. And so sometimes kids say the darndest things, you know what I'm saying? And so Tony be like, talk to the parents. He be like, your child said this during the week. And the parents be like, I don't know where they got that from. <laughs> I don't know. I said, well, I don't know. She talked like a grown-up, though, when she was saying what, what, what they were saying. Babies will reflect what they hear and see. 
in deep family intimacy, a mother or father speaking to their infant saying mama or dada, the child being held and spoken to by the parents normally will attempt a response. So it is with God. We cannot speak to God until we have been spoken to by God. You're like, what? God didn't speak to me. I just started speaking to God. Did he? Maybe God spoke in ways that you can't understand yet. Because when I spoke to my granddaughter, I said, Grappy, I knew what that meant. That was me, some linguistic mashup between grandfather and pappy. But she couldn't understand that. All she heard was the words. And she began to re repeat back what she heard. Although she may not have fully understood it, or she not understood what that word means fully. So it is with God. God has spoken to every last person in this room in ways that you may not even be aware of yet or even understand yet. We cannot speak to God until we have been spoken to by God. First availability. Jeremiah makes himself available to God. Then intimacy comes. God begins to speak and Jeremiah begins to respond back to God. They begin a conversation, and in the exchange between them, um, the intimacy deepens, and the understanding deepens. Notice how God is starting out with, what do you see? And then it moves from seeing to understanding to what God is, what he has seen and what God has said. That's why sometimes when God, if I'm in a, in a serious a life situation, I'm making serious decisions in my own life, and I don't go off my first impression. Because that for me, that could be like me saying, da-da. God could be trying to get something to me, but I'm not making myself available enough to get the full scope of what God is trying to say to me. Sometimes we mess up because we go off a of da-da, and God is trying to say, no, I'm trying to get a little deeper. I'm trying to give you a paragraph. That makes sense? I have it in my notes. I was like, I don't know if this is going to make any sense. But then we go from availability to intimacy. To momentum. We'll finish here. Availability to intimacy to momentum. Momentum is a force or speed of movement. It is impetus, as of a physical object or course of events. After we meet with God, a special kind of momentum happens. Think about it. Abraham gets, meets God. He leaves Ur and goes to the promised land, towards the promised land. Esther, or Moses, meets God at the burning bush, and then God momentum sends him to be a prophet to to speak to Egypt to release the slaves in Egypt. <clears throat> to speak to Pharaoh. Esther. Esther has that, that Kairos moment with Mordecai. And Mordecai is able to give her, and I believe God is behind in the background working this. God tells uh, through Mordecai to Esther because one of the things I failed to mention last week was, and I don't know, I don't know if you noticed, but in the book of Esther, God is not even mentioned once. 
in the whole book of Esther. I don't know if y'all picked up on that. But God is in the background, right? The, the, the Jewish understanding that God is in the background working things and, and prompting things and inspiring things. And so here is Mordecai standing before for Esther. Y'all know the whole situation from when um, from Vanessa preached uh, last week uh, and how uh, God had positioned her. She got in a position where her decisions can make a profound difference in the lives of her people. Again, a young woman, put in a young, another young person, again, put in a position that their words and what they hear and how they interpret things will impact many other people. And so Mordecai says those words that a lot of people quote in popular culture now. You have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Momentum. The other day with Jeremiah. But the larger question is this. What kind of momentum do we have in our lives? So again, just like we all are available to somebody, um, just like we are all intimate with somebody, because we reflect the ones that we're intimate with. Mm. I got quiet. We share the momentum with the ones that we're intimate and available to. We are all, we are all moving at certain speeds and directions. But the kind of momentum we have in our lives will depend upon who or what we make ourselves available to and who or what we are intimate with. Availability leads to intimacy which creates spiritual momentum in our lives. Spiritual momentum is about being sent on a mission of some kind, a spiritual adventure with God, being a part of something that is bigger than ourselves. And we'll finish out Jeremiah, Jeremiah 117. Jeremiah, God tells Jeremiah, get yourself ready, Jay. Stand up and say to them whatever I command you. Do not be terrified by them, or I will terrify you before them. Because <laughs> this is a serious word here, right? Today I have made you a fortified city. Mm. You went from a boy, seeing yourself as a boy. Now I'm telling you who you are. You are a fortified city. You don't know what that means? That means that you are a city that's walled off and protected by God. So he went from seeing himself being a part of a nation that's crumbling, that's falling apart, to being a part of a family that the world says are nobody, to seeing him somebody who has no experience as he's a little boy. Now God ends up this thing saying, man, you are a walled-off city. You are a city. You are a metropolis. You are, you are bigger than what you think you are. You are an iron pillar and a bronze wall to stand against the whole land. Against the kings of Judah, its officials, its priests, and the people of the land. This is, he talked to a boy, y'all. They will fight against you, but will not overcome you. For I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. There's a song I want to close with. I'm not going to sing it by any stretch of the imagination. I found this the other day. And I want to end with this song. I just want to read the lyrics to you. Then I'm going to pray. We're going to say amen. A song written by a Catholic brother named Dan Shute. It's called Here I Am Lord. 
make quite a controversy in those, in those circles because he speaks in the song at some point, God in the first person. Uh, now, those of us who come from, you know, Baptist Pentecostal background, we speak to God, we speak, use the language of God in the first person all the time, right? You know, so apparently some folks get lost their mind when this dude wrote a song as this really, literally just quoting scripture back to the people. And the opening verse says this, and as you reflect upon the one that you are availing yourself this week, that you are availing yourself to this week, as you begin to become intimate with God this week, as you begin to sense uh, divine momentum, spiritual momentum in your own lives, I want you to hear this. I want you to hear the words of this song, and it goes like this. I, the Lord of sea and sky, all who dwell in dark and sin, my hand will save. I will go, Lord, if you lead me. I will hold your people in my heart. Then God speaks, I who made the stars of night, I will make their darkness bright. Who will bear my light to them? Whom shall I send? Here I am, Lord. It is I, Lord. I have heard you calling in the night. I will go, Lord, if you lead me. I will hold your people in my heart. I, the Lord of snow and rain, I have borne my people's pain. I have wept for love of them, yet they turn away. Here I am, Lord. It is I, Lord. I have heard you calling in the night. I will go, Lord, if you lead me. I will hold your people in my heart. I will break the hearts of stone, says God. Give them hearts for love alone. I will speak my words to them. Whom shall I send? Jeremiah responds, or the, the writer responds, Here I am, Lord. It is I, Lord. I have heard you calling in the night. Availability, intimacy. I will go, Lord, if you lead me. Momentum. I will hold your people in my heart. I am the Lord of wind and flame. I will send the poor and lame. I will set a feast for them. My hand will save. Here I am, Lord. It is I. I have heard you calling in the night availability. I will go, Lord, if you lead me intimacy, and I will hold your people in my heart momentum. Finest bread I will provide to their hearts be satisfied. I will give my life to them. Who shall I send? Here I am, Lord. It is I. Availability. I have heard you calling in the night, intimacy. I will go, Lord, if you lead me. I will hold your people in my heart. Momentum. In this hour, God is calling forth people that will avail themselves to his spirit. God is calling forth people that will be intimate with God. They will hear the word of the Lord. They will get the word of the Lord into their hearts and their lives begin to reflect what God is saying, what God is speaking in their own lives and the lives around them in their community in which they live. And so also with that, God is raising up people that will live into a gospel momentum, a kingdom momentum, amen. Their lives become like Jesus who lived for other folk. So this week, avail yourselves to God. <clears throat> Just don't read your Bible. Read your Bible, yes. But read your Bible till the Word gets you. 
if it's just one word. That one word is just chocolate chip cookie. Y'all be like, what? Something. I don't know about you, but sometimes in my own life, I get desperate sometimes with God. I be like, God, you got to speak to me. I need a word from you in this hour because I'm facing things that are beyond my ability. I don't even know how to handle certain situations, God. As a pastor, as a leader, as a father, as a husband, there's sometimes in my own life, I'm like, I don't even know what to do. I don't even know what to say sometimes. God, you got to speak to me, God. You got to give me a word, God. You got to show something in my heart. God, if all I got right now is da-da, I am good. Speak to our hearts, Holy Spirit. Lead us and guide us into the truth. Lead us and guide us into the truth. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we thank you for the day. Let your prophet Jeremiah's life and words and testimony speak to our hearts this week. May we be a blessing to others this week. But God, show us us and show us who you want, who you desire us to be, who you see us as. Mm. Thank you, Lord. We already know, God, that you see us as you desire us to be. <laughs> God, make us take note and may us be watchful, God, who we avail ourselves to, who we're intimate with. And what kind of momentum and direction that our lives are taking, God. Let your word be our guide. Bless you, Father. Jesus, we love you. Holy Spirit, we cherish you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise God. All right. Y'all all right? good. So, um, what do we have this week? Announcements. Uh, Faith and Fitness is this Thursday. And I heard that's been going really well. Uh, Sister Clarissa's been leading that effort um, with her ministry. Um, I've seen some folk limping this week, which is a good sign, right? This is good, right? <laughs> um, what else is happening uh, today? Today at Kelly Scott Park. Um, what, what did I say? I still think I'm in Birmingham, y'all. We have a Kelly Scott Park. We have a Kelly Park in Birmingham. At Kelsey Scott Park from 2 to 4, uh, there's a backpack giveaway. And also there's an event to raise awareness around gun violence in our community. Um, uh, Nicole uh, Mahogany uh, Kuntz, she's in the back. She's one of uh, the youth in Next Gener Generation Productions. Uh, their family is also remembering uh, family members who were gunned down in violence over a year ago. And so it's, a, it's an awareness-raising effort at Kelly Scott. I'm also our next-gen production youth. <laughs> Y'all know what I'm saying. It's Kelsey Scott Park. It's Kelsey Scott Park from 2 to 4. And so at Next Generation Productions, uh, folks are, um, um, Tim's going to be leading a, a, a cadre, a team of young people. They're going to do some filming down there to capture 
some of those moments of leaders speaking in the community, uh, young people, um, and them sharing resources to people who are in need in the community. And so that's today at Kelsey Scott Park uh, from 2 to 4. Amen. If you want to stop on through, want to give or be a part of that, uh, please do. Anything else? Hello, everybody. Um, I'm hosting an event today. It's an online event. Um, it's an event about mental wellness and that connection to your hair health. Um, it's an event that's going to be in my natural hair group that I have on Facebook. I would like to invite everyone to join the conversation. The co-host of the event is, she's local, she's from Salisbury, but she has her own practice. She's a family and marriage therapist in Maryland. And so we'll be talking about mental wellness um, in my group today. And it's an online event. So, oh, I'm sorry. It's at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time today. The name of the group is Action and Glory Natural. So I invite everybody to join the conversation. Oh, the, uh, oh, yes. So, um, Next Generation, uh, Be In Prayer, uh, Next Generation Productions has an opportunity uh, to partner uh, with another group uh, in Dallas, Texas in September, yes. See, I got a whole bunch of my brain, y'all. And so, I'm going to let, Beth, you want to share about a little bit about that? So, y'all know Beth. Hi, everyone. It's wonderful to be back with you again. I always feel like I'm in some way home when I come, so I appreciate that. Um, there are uh, There's a group of three churches that are partnering together in the Dallas-Fort Worth area that would really like to get something going for the kids in their community. They are doing some other things, but they're very interested in what has happened here and all the way here in Salisbury. And uh, isn't that cool? And, and so... What we would really love to do is to facilitate the Next Generation Production sending representatives to go with our Inside Out Global team uh, to do a, a program and, and also to be led by Tim to do a program in the Dallas-Fort Worth area uh, September 28th through the 30th. So there'll be more information about that as you think about the students and who would be available and, and uh, be prepared to go for that. We'd love to work together. Praise God. It's exciting, huh? Yeah, man, go, so they're going to go teach some other young folks what they've learned here in the other part of the country. That's what it's about. Amen. All right. Here's a benediction. If there's anything else, we're good. All right. This week, avail yourself to God. And as you avail yourself to God, allow intimacy to come. Listen to the words. Pay attention to the impressions. Notice the images that arise in your own heart. 
And as intimacy passes into momentum, go with God. Move with God. Be led in a lockstep with his Holy Spirit. Amen.